chapter seven of the love of landry by paul lawrence dunbar this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seventh a whole week passed a happy week full of the joy of outdoor life for mildred she saw herself acquiring both gaiety and health the reward one gains by living near to nature's heart she was not yet done babbling of the pleasure the concert had given her and her father went on smiling happy too and unseeing the poor man thought it really was the concert that had pleased his daughter and brought a light into her eyes and a thrill into her voice that he had never known there before now a girl may be of a very charitable disposition and mildred was such a one but there are certain effects on the feminine nature which even the joy of doing good cannot produce she had suddenly become more affectionate than usual with her father and she had fallen into the way of running to him on the impulse of the moment and throwing her arms around his neck with quick unaccounted-for kisses her father called it pecking took it gladly and attributed it all to returning health and the concert the girl developed a hundred pretty little ways which notwithstanding her charm she had not possessed before she was as gay and as joyous as a bird and as irresponsible she went about the place singing and the men looked on and blessed her little mrs hendrickson adored her while her husband's admiration seriously interfered with his articulateness whenever the sprightly maiden was around meanwhile mildred herself had not analyzed her feelings she was just glad glad as a robin is or a squirrel and she did not know that it was because landry was near her that her life was so much like a holiday she was content to take the joy without questioning whence it came but she was destined to an unpleasant awakening when god is letting a revelation slowly illumine the mind and soul of one of his creatures there is too often some fool to rush in and anticipate his process this was the part upon which mrs ansley now entered although she was nearly three thousand miles away she felt what mr osborne on the spot could not see with the solicitude of the kindly intentioned destroyer she wrote mildred my dear child i feel it my duty they always do feel it their duty to mention a thing which both your dear sister and myself have noticed in your last letters you know my dear mildred i am the last person in the world whom any one could accuse of being suspicious but there are certain circumstances which make me feel that i should be doing less than my duty to you as the daughter of my dear deceased sister did i fail to warn you of what i fear my dear who is this man landry and what are your relations with him are you aware child that you have spoken of him in every one of your last letters do you know that in the very last you called his name six times mildred felt that she knew just the manner in which her aunt would have shot that last question at her could she have been there in person and her face was suffused with angry blushes the letter went on from what i can understand from your letters the fellow is a common cowboy or i hesitate at the word cow-puncher 
and as i have heard them called dear let me beg you not to disgrace your family i have heard of young girls falling in love with such persons out of a mistaken sense of the romantic don't do it mildred think over what i have said and confide in me if necessary helen and i will come out to see after you helen may come now as mr berkeley has spoken i hope that i do not anticipate your sister in telling you this but she would have told you soon anyway one more thing my dear niece and i am done it has been brought to my ears that the women of colorado are advocating riding their horses astride horrors and have made an appeal to the country on the score of humanity oh mildred i cannot even contemplate the spectacle of a niece of mine astride a horse mrs ansley underscored her astride as she had done her questions about landry don't do it my dear propriety in a girl of your station is very much more necessary than humanity the poor can afford to be humane the rich cannot afford to be less than proper ask your dear blind father where his eyes are and believe me your affectionate aunt anne ansley mildred finished the letter and flinging it across the room burst into tears there should be a penalty imposed upon the old woman who wounds the maiden modesty of a young girl mildred cried for very shame but she was not without the temper to resent her aunt's letter aunt ansley she exclaimed through her tears is a meddling narrow-minded old woman i in love with landry indeed and then she blushed so hotly that she hid her face in her arms and wept the more and in that moment it went very hard for landry the sins of mrs ansley were visited upon his head he is very presumptuous mildred thought and no doubt took it for granted that i cared for him just because i was kind to him he has been no more than my groom and i'd as soon think of marrying the butler oh how i hate aunt ansley the girl's pride was wounded to the quick and it is a quality which women and snakes have in common when wounded to strike regardless of reason at everything near and so mildred felt angry with every one about as being concerned in her humiliation she sat down and wrote a brief curt note to her aunt my dear aunt it ran i'm exceedingly glad to hear that mr berkeley has proposed it relieves you of one great responsibility i can assure you also that i am not riding astride nor am i going to marry landry who has been little more than a faithful groom to me that was all and it was unworthy of her but who can blame a young girl hurt as she was for being unjust to every one about her she read the note through again and again and the meanness of it struck her more and more each time finally she tore it into shreds i won't send it she cried i won't send it she may think as she pleases very sad and miserable she felt as she went out of doors to the shelving roof which did duty as a porch and where her father was now sitting with his cigar why what is it my dear exclaimed osborne you're not looking well i'm feeling very well she replied but i've been reading letters from home and you're homesick well i don't wonder child but landry shall cheer you up it was like a match to the fuse she turned upon her father all the pain of her resentment and humiliation flashing in her eyes and thrilling in her voice i'm sure papa i don't see why i must depend upon landry for amusement she said angrily why i thought you and he were such friends we are not friends i'm surprised that you 
want your daughter to make friends with the servants i've ridden with him because there was nothing else to do why mildred said her father in surprise i'm sorry if i've seemed to neglect you i-i thought he stopped helplessly oh every one thinks she said a little brutally and then there was landry approaching swinging along with his swift easy stride she gave him one glance and then turned and went into the house he saw the action and wondered what had he done to offend her he would rather his right arm were cut off than that he should give her pain he came up awkwardly and stammered a few commonplaces to mr osborne who was equally puzzled and embarrassed but his mind was with the girl who had so palpably turned her back upon him what had he done what had he done he went away cursing himself for a blundering fool who had stupidly wounded the woman he loved and yet had not sense enough to know how he had done it at least civilization has that much good in it he told himself that i could not wound a woman without knowing when and how but i'll find out i'll find out damn it if i have to crawl to her on my knees he did not know how could he that he was being made to suffer on account of a meddling old woman three thousand miles away when mildred had gone in she instantly regretted the act and suffered in mind little less than landry himself after all it was not his fault he had possibly never thought of love in connection with her at all but she was conscious of no great pleasure in the thought she felt that she ought to be glad for of course it was impossible that she could be anything to him or he to her but nevertheless she was miserable and it was a miserable dinner that she ate that day in the afternoon she sat on the porch with her father and tried to be cheerful as was her wont but her cheerfulness had departed and she made but a sorry faint at it she wanted to be just to landry she wanted to make amends to him but she feared herself and was frightened if she even heard his step finally after several false alarms he did turn the corner of the house and start towards her oh if she could only fly of course he had seen her displeasure of the morning and would be sure to ask the cause of it and what could she say she wished he wouldn't be so fearfully direct he never hinted at a thing he always spoke straight out and there was no getting away from the point with him she had observed this before in him she bit her lips and waited because she dared not snub him again it was awful she could see his face now a sort of fascination held her eyes there were lines of pain about his mouth she had hurt him she knew and she did not know how to tell him why so the prayer went up from her soul that something might intervene to prevent their meeting mildred's prayer was unexpectedly answered a wagon rattled up to the entrance and a man got out and stood for a moment talking to the driver then he turned and came hurriedly towards them landry had stopped and as the newcomer drew nearer turned his eyes first upon him and then upon mildred she felt the blood leave her face and in a moment she seemed to have lived the space of a century it was arthur heathcote awful of me to drop down on you in this way said heathcote after greeting them but you know i've been out this way before and i thought i'd like to see the country again so here i am i'm so glad to see you miss osborne and you mr osborne he lied very glibly but his face was red and he looked like a guilty schoolboy osborne was frankly glad to see him but even mildred herself realized that her greeting was cold and formal thought may be 
your people might put me up for a week or two of course i didn't know if they can't why i'll be trotting along of course they can said osborne heartily landry landry came forward the two men were introduced each eyed the other as if taking stock of his strength and fighting ability won't you try to help us locate heathcote i shall be glad to said landry but his face belied him they went into the house and the englishman was soon placed mrs hendrickson was overcome with joy at being able to oblige any friend of mr osborne's and they could and would put mr heathcote up for as long as he wanted to stay so his luggage was brought in from the road and he settled himself like the thorough british sure he was at home wherever he took off his hat after doing what he could for the new arrival landry came out of the house again but this time he did not go toward mildred he only bowed to her as he passed and went with set face out toward the barn mildred could have wept from very grief and vexation she knew what he must think of her and her face burned he would believe that she had known of heathcote's proposed visit and had snubbed him that he might be conveniently out of the way oh the shame of it the meanness of her nature as he must see it she was glad that he had been proud enough to pass her by she could not respect a man who would stoop to a woman who had acted as contemptibly as she had appeared to act but then her thoughts took another turn he should not have thought it of her he had no grounds for believing her so low but then what did she care she didn't she knew she didn't care for she told herself so several times before arthur heathcote came out to talk to her her feelings as she saw him approaching were a study even to herself she could not forget the big-hearted englishman's simple kindness that wet september night when she had made the child the object of her impulsive charity she liked him but she was angry at his intrusion here she had been living so close to nature and now he had come smelling of civilization in her thoughts she unconsciously quoted landry to break up her paradise perhaps her aunt had sent him maybe he knew about landry had he come to spy upon her actions but she dismissed the thought as soon as it was formed that was not like heathcote but oh she wished he had not come however he was here and coming towards her smiling now the sky that she had loved had lost its colour the sunset which she had looked at with landry beside her was devoid of glory everything seemed dull and grey to her and all because a foolish old woman had written a letter and an unwelcome lover had come at the wrong hour and a hard-headed girl had refused to listen to the dictates of her heart i am afraid miss mildred that you will think hardly of my racing out here i cannot blame you for wanting to see the country again i love it myself yes but i mean for coming out here after you surely that would not be fair unless you blamed me for coming before you that's so but now you're laughing at me again indeed you are but you know i thought you wouldn't care if i just came i'm sure i don't poor fellow he was helpless and inarticulate after that of course you know why i came you have already told me it was because you had been out here before and you wished to see the country again a very good reason for coming oh come now heathcote protested you know i was just telling a few then mildred you know why i came it was because i couldn't stay away from you i couldn't take no for an answer arthur she said sadly you make it so hard for me 
forgive me he broke in i don't want to persecute you really i didn't intend speaking until time for me to go away arthur she said again i do like you but won't you give up hoping or thinking that i will marry you i cannot i cannot there was a decided set to arthur heathcote's chin as he replied i will not give up hope until you are the wife of some other man but i won't persecute you i love you mildred and a love like mine is not to be daunted now let's not think any more of it while i am out here let's be good friends for i believe you when you say that you like me and we can have a pleasant unrestrained time if you will let me walk with you and ride with you you shall walk with me and you shall ride with me arthur and i wish i could say more oh i have time he said and there was a shake in his voice in spite of the brave ring of it and after that there is eternity then he laughed oh i say i like your man landry although i can't understand him a cowboy who talks like a college man is something of a paradox you know that is not a strange thing every american is a paradox unless he happens to be an anglomaniac i like the paradoxes better it's what we expect of americans i don't like this sudden turn for friendship and all that between us we haven't got a soul now to whet our boys belligerent appetites against and whom have you oh we feel our loss as greatly as you do but then we have a little trouble on our hands yes but that's only a brush inferiors never make good enemies a fellow could never have a real jolly fight with his valet he might kick the man but kicking a man is not fighting him well you shouldn't complain at least england did find metal more attractive among the boers that's the reason she went to it like steel to the magnet it was in this way that mildred and arthur talked on building up a wall of conversation behind which to hide the girl with her torn heart and wounded pride the man hopeless in spite of his bravery saying bantering nothings while his face was white and drawn End of chapter seven